Hey gang, Tom Mullen here. Do you have a child who spends more time than you'd like in front of screens consuming low quality content? Well, you can turn that screen time into something fun and worthwhile. I'm talking about mini coders, an educational game-based platform including companion apps made for kids with video tutorials, virtual assistant, and games where kids learn coding skills while they play in the Roblox metaverse, all under the safety and guidance of a virtual assistant and in-game tutors. MiniCoders is perfect for homeschooled, unschooled, or traditionally schooled children alike and helps them build 21st century skills and have a ball doing so. Right now, you can try out MiniCoders with no obligation by registering for a free trial at TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders. That's M-I-N-I-C-O-D-E-R-S. Again, just visit TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders and start your free trial today. Every revolution starts in the minds of the people. Arm yourself for the war of ideas. Take back your life. Take back your liberty. Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Today, I wanted to talk a little bit about how libertarian theory relates to the real world and share some real-world experiences of my own from the business world that completely confirm some of the things that I often say and write about and other libertarian commentators often say. And this is specifically about regulation and what people believe regulations are written for and what they actually do in practice in the real world when you're running a business. And I'm going to go back almost two decades to when I was in the hearing aid business, which I spent four or five years in the 2000s running a wholesale and retail hearing aid business along with a few other partners. And just to give you the background of this, we had four partners in the business. Two of them owned a small hearing aid manufacturer, which meant that they made all the in-the-canal hearing aids. These are the hearing aids that actually go into the hearing canal, some of them partially, and some of them are called CICs, completely in-canal hearing aids. So a small manufacturer like that would make the in-the-canal hearing aids for hearing aid retail shops that actually sold them to the patients. And then those retail shops would resell what were called BTEs, behind-the-ear hearing aids that you're used to seeing where somebody has kind of a unit that fits behind their ear and a little tube that goes into the ear. So those are the two kinds of hearing aids you learn all kinds of things here at Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. But two of the uh, partners owned this manufacturing company. The third partner was most of the money in the deal. And he also had manufacturing connections overseas. He had lived in Taiwan for 10 years and had an interest in a manufacturing company over there for other products. And I'll get to that part of the story later. But this gentleman was an American who spoke fluent Mandarin. And then there was your humble servant, Tom Mullen, host of Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, who basically was there to run the operation. 
which is something I had specialized in for the past two decades before I got into this partnership. So our basic business plan was pretty good. We were going to open retail stores. We had acquired a major brand name that one of the big companies had allowed the trademark to lapse, and we were able to acquire it. It wasn't Miracle Ear or Belltone, but it was something of that magnitude that had been off the market for a while and not used. So we had a great brand name. We had some good locations to open retail stores. And we could manufacture our own in-the-canal products. And not only were we going to buy and resell behind-the-ear BTE hearing aids to complement our in-the-canal products, but we also secured an exclusive distributorship for a German manufacturer of hearing aids who had a new product coming out at the time. It was called an open-ear hearing aid. And I don't know how much I want to bore you with the details, but basically this was a behind-the-ear product that was much smaller. It was much harder to see on the wearer. And unlike the in-the-canal hearing aids that existed at the time or the behind-the-ear that had a piece that went into the ear canal, it did not close off the canal completely. So it was called an open-ear Now, this open-ear style of hearing aid, at least at the time, I don't know if there have been advances since, but it only treated a certain type of hearing loss, which was high-frequency sensory neural hearing loss, the most common kind of hearing loss. Generally, as we get older, our hearing deteriorates in the upper frequencies. Of course, there are other kinds of hearing loss, and especially people who worked in industrial settings and had low frequency hearing loss often had to be treated by closing off the whole ear canal. But in any case, we had this new product and we were going to be one of the first ones to the hearing aid market with this style of hearing aid. And we also had plans to manufacture our own low cost device that would be something that someone who was just experiencing the first stages of mild hearing loss could purchase over the counter at a fraction of the cost of hearing aids themselves. So that's kind of the background of the story. And I'll tell you how it played out. And the first thing I want to tell you is that I know a lot of people consider the cost of hearing aids prohibitively expensive. And at the time, a decent pair would go for about $3,500. Now, this being almost 20 years ago, I'm sure that the price has probably doubled since then. But at the time, that was a lot of money. And people had a genuine feeling that elderly people were being gouged at that price. And I can tell you firsthand that that's a very fair price given the technology that's being sold and the cost of providing that hearing aid. So here's the first lesson as far as regulation. Although I, as an English major who had just been in the business world for quite a while, was able to learn how to fit a hearing aid rather effectively for most patients just by studying the software and learning to read the audiograms. You had to have a license, of course, to sell one of these. So by not allowing people without this license to sell hearing aids, then of course, 
the the people who can dispense them become a lot more expensive. Their supply is limited, like every other licensing situation. All right, so a lot of people might not have a problem with that. And hearing aids were generally dispensed by what were called licensed hearing aid specialists. And these are not audiologists. They're not people with PhDs. They're people who have studied, like an electrician, the materials for the licensing exam and passed a licensing exam. And then at the time, there was a percentage of the market where people actually were fitted for hearing aids by audiologists. But that was considered at the time kind of overkill because audiologists were mostly doing research and treating higher order uh, maladies of the ear than simple sensory neural hearing loss. But I should tell you that even back when I was in the business, there was a concerted effort by the audiologists to kind of squeeze out the hearing aid specialists. They didn't want these people out there competing with them. And they were always pressing regulators to make it harder and harder to get the hearing aid license. And ultimately what they wanted was for no one to be allowed to fit a hearing aid other than an audiologist. And of course, this would make the price go even higher because you're further limiting the supply of people who could sell you a hearing aid. So, so far, that's not much different than anything else in the healthcare industry. You've got to be a licensed physician to write prescriptions, et cetera, et cetera. And you should know that, of course, this makes the price much more expensive than if licenses weren't required. And the argument for them is, is that, well, these people are much more qualified because they had to pass a licensing exam. We'll leave that argument for another day, but there are arguments against that reasoning. But our story certainly doesn't stop just with licensing. So we launched our first retail shop with our powerful new brand name and our manufacturing capabilities behind it. And we had hired a licensed hearing aid specialist to test our patients and fit the hearing aids. And one of the main ways back then that you would get new patients was to run ads in the major newspapers. So you would run a print ad that says, here we are, and we're running some sort of special for our grand opening. Please call us for your free hearing test today. And we would book patients to get their hearing tested. We wouldn't charge them for that, and if they needed a hearing aid, we would offer them several options for hearing aids. Well, what do you know, on the very first day that our very first ad ran in the newspaper, we got a call from the state. I'm not going to mention any company names here, and I'm not even going to mention the state, but we got a call saying that there had been two complaints that our ad was misleading and violated some truth and advertising regulations for the hearing aid industry. So welcome to the new industry. Now, of course, these complaints had been lodged by two of our competitors in the area. No consumers had any problem with our ads. And of course, the state official that called us reviewed the ad and asked us a few questions and determined while we were on the phone, while I was on the phone with this official that, of course, our advertisement was not misleading at all. And I got some explanation like we have to follow up on every complaint, no matter what we think the merit is until we make an investigation, blah, blah, blah. 
But in other words, our competitors had tried to complain about our advertising and use these regulations to either just hurt us right coming out of the gate, maybe even get us out of the market. Who knows? But the important thing you should know is that no consumer ever had a problem with our ads. And of course, we never got any complaints after this in the many years we ran ads after that first one. It was just a routine move by our competitors to exhaust all possibilities of eliminating competition. And whatever people tell you regulations really do, that's all they're used for, is for established firms to eliminate competition. So that was lesson number one. So I mentioned that we were also importing hearing aids from Germany from a small to medium-sized manufacturer. But the third part of our business plan, which I mentioned before, was to produce something much lower cost than the average set of hearing aids. And this had to do with the large segment of the market that we knew was being untreated. People with the beginning stages of hearing loss, mild hearing loss, that because of the prohibitive cost of being fitted for hearing aid, were simply not treating their hearing loss at all. And we had all kinds of data and research that showed that the longer that one went without treating hearing loss, the more likely later that they're not going to treat their hearing loss until it's very severe. And there are very profound consequences for people who suffer from hearing loss that goes untreated. They don't even realize that they're not participating in conversations or generally in society as much as they used to. They become isolated, their psychological effects. So there's all kinds of good reasons to want to address that problem. We thought it was a great business opportunity if we could come up with something that was less cost prohibitive that would get people to take that first step in treating their hearing loss, getting over the stigma. Let's take a short break for this important message. Friends, if you like to read books as much as I do, there comes a time when you realize you just won't ever find the time to read every book you're interested in. Well, I have great news. Blinkist offers the key ideas from nonfiction bestsellers in as little as 15 minutes. For most books and their extensive library, you can choose to read or listen to Blinks, which summarize the main ideas and allow you to absorb whole books in the time it takes to run your daily errands or commute to work. Not only does Blinkist allow you to glean the information you need from books you don't have time to read, it helps you to decide which ones to spend time reading and get more details. You can try out Blinkist for free and get 20% off your first year by going to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. That's TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash Blinkist. Start your free trial and get 20% off today. And now let's get back to the show. And because now we had these sleek new casing designs available to us, 
and the open ear technology was available, we wanted to come up with something that cost about a tenth of the price that would only address mild hearing loss and would not have to be fitted by a licensed specialist and could be sold over the counter. And that's where the cost savings would come from because most of the cost after the equipment, which only cost a couple hundred bucks, was paying this licensed person, maintaining a retail environment where the hearing test could be held. So we had this plan to have self-tests with all the proper disclaimers about seeing a physician first. And you could go into a pharmacy and purchase this over the counter. And instead of spending at the time three or four thousand dollars, you might spend three or four hundred dollars for a set of these devices. Now, even after eliminating the cost of the licensed hearing aid specialist or audiologist and the overhead of the hearing center with the soundproof room and et cetera, et cetera, we were still not going to be able to get to anywhere near the price point we wanted if we manufactured this product in the United States. So yes, my friends, we were going to manufacture the actual hearing devices in China. And I can tell you that at the time, this was long before President Xi, China was a much freer, less burdensomely regulated environment to do any kind of business in than the United States. So yes, I do have experience with manufacturing in China, and perhaps that's an episode for another day about that whole subject and all of the misinformation, a lot of which comes from the right, as far as why manufacturing jobs have gone overseas. Of course, if you've read my book, It's the Fed Stupid, you know that manufacturing is still about the same percentage of our GDP as it always has been, at least since World War II. Yes, we have less manufacturing jobs, but we are producing far more manufactured goods than we ever did at any time in the past. In fact, if you take the number 2.2 trillion, I believe, was the latest number of dollars contributed to GDP from manufacturing, our manufacturing sector would be something like the fifth or sixth largest economy in the world. And the sector is actually $6 trillion, but when they measure GDP, they subtract imports. So because American manufacturers import a lot of the components and then make the final product here, they only get credit for contributing $2.2 trillion to GDP. That's also the way they measure GDP overall. They subtract the trade deficit. So I'm kind of off on a tangent there. But in any case, there was absolutely no way to offer this product unless we manufactured it overseas. So we had this product that I think we were calling an assistive listening device because it wasn't a hearing aid fitted by a licensed specialist. And it would have done all sorts of good to get upper middle-aged people to start treating their hearing loss sooner than they would if they had to spend $3,500, dollars it would get them to cross that bridge of actually getting used to wearing something that would help them, and it wouldn't cost them anywhere near as much money. So you would think this would be win-win-win, correct? Well, of course, 
it would be win-win-win for the people suffering from hearing loss, but it wouldn't be win-win-win for our competitors. So, of course, before we launched this program, we hired a law firm to give us a legal opinion that what we wanted to do complied with all of the federal and state regulations concerning hearing aids, and most of these are at the state level. And the initial informal opinion from these attorneys who were experienced in the healthcare field were that they didn't expect to find any problems with what we wanted to do. But they conducted their research and came back to us and said, you know, we're very surprised to find this, but not only is what you want to do in violation of the regulations concerning hearing aids, it almost seems like they wrote the regulations specifically to prohibit what you want to do. So apparently there had been a case in the past where somebody tried to do this And of course, this is a threat to everyone who is making large margins on hearing aids and whose market advantage is purely based on the licensing requirements. So as it stood, what we wanted to do was illegal at the time. So before giving up on the plan, we decided, okay, we'll make one more investment. And we actually hired some lobbyists to go to the state legislature and see if we could get this law changed. And they approached the the lawmakers, and the lawmakers were happy to put language into whatever bill was applicable that was being debated that year in the state legislature that would have allowed our business plan basically to go forward with this device that would be available to people at a fraction of the cost of a fitted hearing aid. And the legislative session went on for a number of weeks or months, and the lobbyists were telling us that, yeah, it looks like so far smooth sailing. We've got this into the legislation. They're going to vote on this bill on such and such a day, and we haven't heard anybody that has a problem. Well, literally on the very last day that the legislature was in session, our language in this bill was descended upon by the lobbyists for the audiologists, and the hearing aid industry. And they came through with all kinds of terrifying arguments about how dangerous what we wanted to do would be. One of the arguments made against what we wanted to do or changing the requirements to allow what we wanted to do was that because there is a very small percentage of hearing loss that's caused by cancer, that If people were allowed to buy hearing aids without going to a hearing aid specialist or audiologist, then the cancer that they had might not be detected. And of course, this could be detrimental or fatal to them because they're going to go treat their hearing loss, which is being caused by this medical condition and not get the medical condition detected. So of course, this is possible, like all things are possible. Not very likely. We're talking about a very small percentage of hearing loss patients. And of course, our packaging was going to say all over it that hearing loss could be caused by a medical condition. You should have a thorough medical exam by a licensed physician before purchasing this product. We had that all over our packaging. Didn't matter. But the basic premise there is the same premise that 
underpins so much regulation that you cannot be trusted to make responsible decisions like that yourself. That's the reasoning for prohibiting what we were going to offer. Now, the real reason, of course, is that they were trying to limit their own competition. There was no other reason for this. But this cancer argument was one they made. The other they made was that our device was going to be dangerous, that we would actually cause hearing loss by pumping 30 decibels into the ears of these elderly people. Our device did max out at 30 decibels. And just for comparison's sake, the average iPod at the time put out something like 120 decibels. So obviously this argument was completely bogus, and I'm not even sure that one was as effective as the cancer argument. But in any case, the arguments that they made were plausible enough that the legislators that previously were happy to put our uh, language into legislation folded and took it out. And merely because of that, in that state, patients are not allowed to purchase something that could help their mild hearing loss before they have to go and spend thousands of dollars on a fitted hearing aid. So I wanted to share this firsthand experience with people that perhaps maybe haven't run their own business before, that these things that we talk about, like the true effect of regulation on the economy, are not just academic theories that have no connection to the real world. I've been kicking around for going on four decades now in the business world, and every business I've been in, this has been the effect of regulation, to limit competition, to raise prices for consumers, to give them less choices, all to the benefit of people whose incomes and revenues are tied directly to those regulations that limit competition, that would benefit everybody. And perhaps I'll do another episode in the future on my 12 years in the health insurance industry where I ran into the real-world effects of regulation just about every day. But there's one little anecdote that anybody over 40 with parents that are in their 60s, 70s, 80s can relate to because you're probably dealing with somebody with hearing loss and you've probably got sticker shock at the cost of purchasing a fitted hearing aid. And again, I want to emphasize that cost is inflated due to licensing regulations, but whatever that cost is today, and I imagine it may be in the five or $6,000 range, you are being given a fair price by that retailer given the costs of paying a licensed professional and complying with the many other regulations that tend to drive up the cost of providing hearing aids to patients. So you shouldn't feel like you're being taken advantage of if you're paying several thousand dollars for a pair of hearing aids. One little tip I will give you, having been an insider in the business, make sure whatever you're buying is a dual microphone hearing aid. Because if you're paying top dollar for a single microphone, again, unless technology has changed, and I don't think it would have changed this much, you really need a dual microphone hearing aid to solve more complex hearing problems, and those are the ones that justify the higher cost. So I guess I'll leave it there for today. Call that a wrap on why the government makes hearing aids so much more expensive than they have to be. I'm pretty sure this is the only libertarian or even political podcast 
where you're going to get such detailed information on hearing aids. So make sure you share this one with your friends. And if you're not subscribed, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. It will be delivered directly to your podcast app of choice, Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, whichever platform you're on. Please do make sure that you're subscribed. And it really helps me out if you share the show notes page from the podcast on your social media. That helps get the word out that there is a podcast at all to be found. Also, if you haven't already, make sure you download a free copy of my new ebook. It's the Fed Stupid. You're being told all kinds of lies and fairy tales about why prices are rising. Let me tell you, there's only one reason. It's the Federal Reserve System. Basically, it doesn't matter who you vote for. The power the Federal Reserve is allowed to exercise basically negates anything politicians can do as far as economic outcomes are concerned. So go to itsthefedstupid.com, download a free copy of the ebook, and if you have a few bucks to spare, buy the paperback. It helps me keep the lights on here, and you can lend it out or give it to a friend once you've finished reading it. And last but not least, if you like the music you've heard here on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, you can hear more at TomMullenSings.com. Have a great weekend, everybody, and I'll see you again on Monday. The war of ideas has only just begun. Arm yourself with the knowledge you need by heading to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com and subscribing to our email list. And remember, every revolution starts in the minds of the people.